Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we feature a message from Shane Blau, associate pastor in North Shore Vineyard. And uh, Shane was already scheduled to speak, thankfully, because uh, I ended up being out with the flu this uh, past weekend. So Shane is sharing a message in this one entitled Journey of Forgiveness. Quick reminder, uh, this Tuesday evening will be our last night of the table. If you haven't come out for that, we've been having some wonderful discussions on some of the teachings of Jesus and encountering God uh, in contemplative practices, having a meal together. So make plans to join us if you haven't already. Uh, It'll be this Tuesday, 630. Let's go ahead and head to North Shore Vineyard. Thanks for listening. preparing for this, when he asked me to speak a few weeks back, um, I really wanted to try to tackle some some things that were personally going on with me. I, I'm not a Crispin. Crispin has an amazing gift to take scripture and a story and put a narrative to it and just, he's an amazing communicator and I admire him for that and he's a fantastic storyteller. Um, I'm more of a point by point guy. I'm more of like, I'm, you know, how do you do this stuff? You know, um, which is great because Crispin takes me out of that and takes me into the place of much bigger thinking and I don't get caught up in just the mundane practical things. But when I speak, you're just going to get points. (laughs) Point taken. Thank you. Zach's the wittiest person in here. Um, So today I I wanted to talk about something that I've been, uh, you know, God's been bringing up to my heart and my mind for, you know, quite some time now. Um, I really feel like I became really conscious of this um, probably six, seven months ago. And just through prayer, just through reflection, driving in my car, thinking about things, my own personal health, my own mental health, my own life, um, I've come to realize that, uh, you know, jadedness and disappointment and trauma is something that kind of just sneaks its head up when you least suspect it. And, And it's amazing how we can control the subconscious of you without you even knowing it, that we create these habits, defense mechanisms, that we create theologies, we create barriers in our own life, not even really knowing why we do it, yeah? Can, anybody relate to that? We, we, there's a habit that we have, there's a, you know, there's so many times something will happen and will trigger this defense thing in me where I just put up this, well, I don't care, and I'm not going to care. Because it's, it's to protect myself, yeah? I mean, it, we all have these habits. Some are healthy, some are not healthy. But what's amazing is, is that when you identify it, how hard it is to break that habit. It, it, I mean, think about that. Like, if you just want to go, okay, today I'm not going to get aggravated in traffic. I mean, God, you know, you, you get past the first three, and by after lunch you're, like, cursing and screaming at people. Then you're repenting, and you feel bad, and then... But, you know, but even on a deeper level, for me, you know, I've always, I've always played narratives over my head, over and over again, conversations over and over again, looking and dissecting them, trying to figure out what was this person saying? What was I trying to say that I didn't say? What do they mean? How did they take me? And it just sounds crazy in there. You might can relate to that. I figured we're all humans. 
But for, for today, though, you know, I, I came across a guy, and I put him on your bulletin um, not too long ago. Barry Segrin. He, 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 was, a, he was a Presbyterian pastor, and, and months and months ago, I came across a sermon that he wrote in 1993 about Joseph and his brothers, and I began to uh, read this thing. And literally, as I began to read it, I was like, man, this is Jesus talking. What he, what, 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 the things that he was capturing out of this story were just amazing. And, and I, so I, I'm, I'm going to be borrowing some of his points today, but I'm going to be flaring it with just some of my own experience since I've been studying this. And it's been one of those things. So when Crispin asked me for the first time, I was like, oh, great, I have something I really want to talk about. I didn't have to go make it up because it was so alive in my life at the moment. And, and the more I began to look at this story and, and explore the humanity of Joseph and, and, and where he ended in his life when confronted with unforgiveness and what he was able to conquer, it just blew me away. And then it had me going, I mean, I want this in my life, which then led to the next thing. Well, I know I want it, so then how do I get it? it was the next practical thing. And that's where I came to today, and I'm going to talk about a journey of forgiveness. Um, Got my clipboard here. So just bear with me because some of this is going to be, I'm just going to read straight from you for some of the things that he said. And I really hope you get it. Today I hope you realize that we, are, we have the capacity and the ability to be free from trauma, from disappointment, from addiction, from anger, from illusion. We have the ability to be free, people. That's what blows me away about the gospel. See, me, for me, the gospel is, it has become so much more than just a service. Either Jesus Christ is real or he is not. Either the Holy Ghost is at work or he is not. Either God is, is or he is not. That's how I've thought the last 18 years of my life in following Jesus. I don't just do it because I'm afraid to go to hell. And this is an insurance policy. <laughs> Just in case. I've, I've been there and I've done that for sure. But it's evolved into something to where I'm realizing and I have realized that this stuff works. It really works. The principles of the kingdom of God, the principles that Jesus taught us, and this being one of the primary ones that he mentioned over and over again, if harbored, if enacted, if just putting your faith However much that is into it, in putting yourself in a place of vulnerability, God, you will realize, is there. The grace is there. The power of God is there. The love of God is there. And it will just overwhelm you, and it will give you a perspective. So I hope you, we walk away from this today with perhaps a perspective that we didn't have before. So let's begin this quickly. The issue of forgiveness is far from being a narrow religious or academic topic. It is instead a desperately practical one. It is common knowledge that many emotional and physical problems can be traced back to a burden of unforgiven guilt. There was a head of a large mental hospital who once said, I could dismiss half of my patients tomorrow if they could be assured of forgiveness. Violent Ethnic clashes on every continent are usually long-standing resentments, breaking out in fresh attempts to settle old scores. 
All of us suffer our own personal grudges and animosities in life. Each individual must decide how we will respond to these challenges. Will we become bitter? Or will we instead choose the difficult route of forgiveness? We can find this biblical option best expressed in Colossians 3.13. This is amazing. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Think about that. Do you know that God forgave you? We know that. Do we feel like we've been forgiven by God? It's the next question I would say. The command in Colossians seems clear, but what does it mean? This New Testament passage is well illustrated by the Old Testament story of Joseph and his brothers in the book of Genesis. And there we will find a few practical points about forgiveness. Now, I'm sure most of you know the story of Joseph, the, guy, the kid that had the coat of many colors. He was dad's favorite, had a lot of brothers. They would work out in the field, and he would be allowed to just hang out in the house and eat grapes and do whatever you did in the Middle Ages. And, and, and it was really shown that he was a favorite when, when his father had made for him this coat of many colors that we're told. Because, I mean, that was, that was an expensive gift, man. That, that was no small thing, and it represented so much. And Joseph was the type of guy that knew he was loved by his father. He kind of knew he was the favorite. And God would speak to him, and he would have these amazing dreams. And while his brothers are out working nine to five, slaving in the sun and, and working, Joseph would stroll out and be like, hey, guys, I just had this awesome time dreaming, and I, I saw all of your stuff, your wheat. He's telling them this dream that he had, and it was bowing down to my wheat, and all you guys were, like, worshiping me. And they didn't take too kindly to that. <laughs> Nor would I probably, little jerk. <laughs> so what he does, so what they do is they begin to scheme and their anger and their jealousy over time begins to compound. And they see their opportunity one day. One of them has a bright idea and they say, you know what? We just got to get rid of him. I mean, this is to the level of hatred that they reached. Their own brother. This is no small thing. This ain't just jealousy in the sense of dad likes you more. This is deep-rooted. They had a grudge against him. They had an unforgiveness towards him. And so the daily uh, merchants would come along, and they sold him off to Egypt into slavery. And then they took his coat that his father made, and they went and splattered it with blood and went back and told their father, you know, Joseph's dead, destroyed his family. And that day marked the beginning of a journey that would change not just Joseph. Not would just impact Joseph, but it would impact all of Egypt and that entire region. It would save the lives of countless thousands and even his own brothers. But in that, it would also display to us what forgiveness really looks like, the power of it, the struggle of it. So I'm going to read to you real quickly. The end of when finally, and I'm sure most of you know the story, Joseph becomes the most second powerful person in Egypt. He interprets one of Pharaoh's dreams about a famine, about prosperity for seven years and a famine for seven years. And he implements a strategy to store up the food. And the time comes when the famine hits and, his, and all of Egypt is fine, but the outer skirts of that region begin to feel it. And so his brothers are like, well, let's go to Egypt. They have plenty. Lo and behold, just to come up, and who do they find? 
their little brother <laughs> to much of their shock. Genesis 50 says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they went, so they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they've committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to, came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came down and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended harm to me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I mean, that, that just blows me away. Because there are people in my life right now, if they came to my front door, I don't know if I could be Joseph. Things are still fresh in a certain way. The narratives are still playing. And that's where the first step begins. You've got to realize there's no condemnation in that. Forgiveness is a journey, folks. Forgiveness begins when you realize that there has been pain, that there has been trauma, that there has been wrong. The first thing we can take from this is that forgiveness can be a long process. It's what I believe Joseph is showing us from this very ending. There are many times when forgiveness is not a quick, easy one or a one-time action, but it is, is instead something that must be consciously done again and again. For any serious matter, forgiveness is seldom complete, even after the first time we choose it. In this story, perhaps Joseph's tears, when his brothers come to him after his father's death, are they a symptom that here, finally, is the end of something that had taken him a long time to do completely? Forgiving someone can be a painful and difficult thing to do. And so it may well be that in certain situations, the answer to someone who hurt you should be, I cannot forgive you yet. Or I'm trying, but I'm just not there. This is more honest and profitable to you and the other person than words like, never mind. Just forget about it. It never happened. Instead, we must come to understand and accept that forgiveness can be a long process and a holy one. The second thing I think we can pull from this is that forgiveness is not dependent upon a confession. This is a frequent mistake we tend to make because it makes so much sense to us. Joseph forgave his brothers despite their shabby performance. When, some, when sometimes treating forgiveness as a reward for the other person's significant groveling and the words of, I'm sorry. But confession, like the original wrong done to us, is an action of the other person. And we cannot control it. Forgiveness is something that God commands us to do. An action that I may choose but it's not dependent upon the behavior of the other person. Yes? 
I really wish I could preach today, but I really feel like God wants us to hear something on how. How? Because it's very practical, folks, and it's very real, and it will change your life. The truth of this point becomes obvious if you think about someone that has died that you've had an issue with, family member, a friend. They go to their grave, and there's unresolved issues, but forgiveness is still required for our sake. See, forgiveness, I think, is like a key to the soul. It has the ability to unlock it and free it or the ability to lock it up. And we get so good at masking it. We're so good at just acting like it doesn't exist or out of sight, out of mind. We must, we must forgive the way Christ has forgiven us. No confession is possible at times, but forgiveness is still required. Joseph's brothers were not really coming clean with him, and Joseph knew this. But Joseph understood and was able to forgive because forgiveness does not require an agreed-upon version of the past. And don't we hate hearing that? <laughs> no, you said. No, you said. No, you did. No, you did. Forgiveness means letting go of our natural right to revenge. And actually, before I get to that point, before I get to that point, I, I, I was not going to throw this out, but I'm going to throw it out there and throw a little personal story in. Um, in, in 2000 and um, probably six, seven, somewhere around there, I was praying at a church that I was at. Um, it was late, it was about 1030. It was out in Hammond. And I went to the, the, the house, or it was called the house of prayer. Really, God, I really want to hear from you today. And I got there and I prayed. I did my uh, usual thing and I heard nothing. So still a good time of prayer. Got in my car. I was driving down old 190, coming back home. And I got to about where that Robert's supermarket is. Um, and all of a sudden, this overwhelming, overwhelming, to this day, I still remember it, thought and feeling. I had to pull over. And I was like, what, 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 what is wrong? I almost started crying. And I began to think of my real father, who lived at the end of 190 there, who I'd only met once before that in a coffee shop. And uh, that coffee shop, in fact, he came in and he sat down with me. Well, he came in and first he said, you know, he wants to see my license. <laughs> I was like, well, good God, man. <laughs> How many kids you plan on meeting today? You got to check them off. Um, you know, and, and it was, it just went nowhere. And, and the, the whole story concluded. It's about a two week period where I called him one day and he told me, <clears throat> um, I never raised you, and I don't plan on doing it now. And I was like, and I was, like, and I was at that old Wendy's where the Arby's is now, and I remember that moment of going, my defense came up. That's fine. I don't care. You've never been there. You know, it, the, my, my self-defense came up, and I just went on. I was 17. Fast forward it to 2006. That's the moment that came up in my mind. And so my dad was a, a drunkard, still is. And I, and, and I remember driving down that road, and I felt like the Lord was saying, you, you have to let this go. You have to forgive it. So before that thought could leave me, I just drove straight to his house. By this time, it's about <clears throat> 1130 at night. Um, I go knock on his door, 
I'm not letting any other thought come to my mind because I'm trying to keep this courage up and I'm trying to not let things play it on my head. So I go knock on the door and he answers it in a very cliche drunk fashion of a wife beater tucked into a whitey tidy. <laughs> and, and, and he's just, for a moment, I don't even think he realized who it was. And I went, James, I said, I want to stop by and I said, I'm letting you know, I forgive you. And in my mind at that moment, I'm thinking, waiting for this response. I'm like, oh, thank you, son, or whatever. And he's looked at me, nodded his head, he said, okay. And then he shut the screen door. And as I turned, I can remember that sound of that, of the door shutting. And when it shut, I walked back to my car, and I got in my car, and I didn't feel anything different. And as time played out, though, I began to realize there was a narrative that wasn't playing in my head anymore. There were conversations with my father I wasn't having anymore. Something in my soul began to be free. I laid, really, my vengeance down. (laughs) Forgiveness means letting go of my natural right to revenge myself. Joseph responded to his brothers and their approach by saying, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Here, Joseph begins the practical action of forgiveness. Joseph is not going to retaliate. They have nothing to fear from him. But forgiveness does not mean excusing the behavior of the person either. I want you to hear that. Forgiveness does not mean excusing the behavior of the other person, though. Joseph continued with his brothers by saying, You intended harm to me. He is quite blunt about the issue and is not sweeping under the rug. He is putting the issue finally to rest by addressing it. Forgiving does not mean forgetting for Joseph, but forgiveness does mean not bringing it up again. We cannot decide to forget, but it is within our power to decide not to give life to the incident by speaking life into it over and over and over again. I know this is much easier said than done, folks. That's why it's a journey and not a moment. The third thing I think that we can pull from this, forgiveness is easier when we rest in God's providence. Remember, Joseph concluded with his brothers that God intended it for good, though you tried to harm me. This does not mean that God is the author of evil, nor does it mean the brothers are not responsible for their actions. The ability to see see God's hand overruling the malice of people is one of the things that makes forgiveness possible. God frequently works good out of tragedy. As Christians, we recognize that we do not live in an empty universe, that despite our mistakes and those of others, life is redeemable. Things cannot be undone, but things can be made right. We must leave this in the hands of God with confidence. God's providence, understanding that God is the God of justice is what gives us the ability to forgive. Our revenge does nothing but hurt us and cut us even more than we already are. It's true. 
You know how I know when people are hurt? When they start bleeding all over me. You get around them and that wound is still open and they can't help but speak it, talk it. They want you to feel their narrative. They want you to adopt the sense of what they felt. They want you to view that person the way that view that person. Let me tell you, I have not just been the person that has been wronged. I have wronged. We're on both sides of those coins, folks. Forgive the way that God has forgiven you. And finally, I want to get to this point. Forgiveness is incomplete until love replaces anger. Forgiveness is incomplete until love replaces anger. Joseph then moves on on to the heart of the matter and telling his brothers, I will provide for you and your children. He acts in blessing rather than bitterness. You see, forgiveness is not only a list of what seems to be negative things for the wrong person, like not taking my avenge. I'm going to have the opportunity to finally to take it. Not mentioning the fence again, holding it in. It's not just negative. Forgiveness has a positive, active side to it. And this is where we begin to reap immediately that blessing when you Realize what's going on and you're standing at that door and you know what's on the other side of it, but you knock with every intention of releasing it. Joseph reassured his brothers. He promised to provide for them. And we are told that he spoke kindly to them. That's, that, that's probably the most amazing part to me. He did not respond by saying, I'm not going to retaliate, but leave me. Never come back again. His forgiveness was not halfway. It was a complete forgiveness. Joseph's tears show that the anger has finally drained away. Instead, he wishes them well, and he does what he can to see that they prosper. For Joseph, the anger and resentment are gone. He has let go of these so that he may grasp reconciliation. The journey of forgiveness has produced blessing, transformation, and wisdom for Joseph. And it will for us too. We must take this journey though. We must recognize that perhaps we need to forgive or we must be forgiven. That will lead us to the how. To forgive as Christ forgave you. It's not easy folks. The span here is about 25 years for Joseph just so you know. So don't let that dominating thought that you have to right now fix something that is not fixable right now, perhaps. But I can tell you this, for me, it's been going to God in prayer. When when I let things just ramble and ramble in my mind, and I let these narratives, because life is always trying to give you a narrative, folks. You, You know this. It's always trying to give you a narrative about what you should think or what other people think, how you should feel. How other people feel about you, and it has the ability to distort it, but it distorts it only because we're hurt. And even the best of us that may not have deep-seated traumas, thank God, or, or, or rejection, for those few that are even lucky to scave through that, it's still there. <laughs> the ability for us to 
live in our ego, to protect ourselves, is the easiest thing to do. The wanting to put ourselves in a certain crowd, politically or social economically. Maybe our talents and giftings give us a place to hide out. Maybe our good-hearted nature, to where we like just doing things for people, are a good way to keep at bay the things we don't want to deal with. That's a false freedom. Because when you go home at night, or you're alone in your car, your mind begins to play the narrative. Not knowing where the voice is coming from, not knowing where the suggestions are coming from, I'm telling you, and I would speculate that it's coming from the deepest part of us, of us subconsciously that has not been healed. And it's the grace of God when we recognize that. Because I promise you, when you expose this to God and you bring it to the Lord, over time, or perhaps you'll experience a miracle, that, that, that wound begins to heal up slowly but surely. I want to live in freedom more than anything. <laughs> more than anything. And this is one of the things that Christ and all of his wisdom and godliness spoke on more than just about anything. We know the, the many parables that he drops, the king that, you know, had a, no, when the king was a peasant, had a debt, the king forgave, the peasant turns around with a smaller debt, tells the guy, no, you're paying me, wouldn't let it go, and the king had to bar him up. This is such strong language and such a strong parable because it's such a strong reality Unforgiveness has a way of creating us to be barbaric. I'm telling you, what, what is wrong with our world right now is what you see is people speaking out of trauma. You see people speaking out of unforgiveness. I wrestle with the same issues you wrestle with all day. We hear the same news, the same arguments, and right now there are people groups that are rising up with grievances left and right. How do we... I, I, in, this, in this building, often I walk around praying, asking God, how do we fix this? How do we help this? How, as a minister, do I even begin to address these things? Some things that I know nothing about. Some things I'd had no part in. Some things of history I don't understand. And then it hit me. It's not mine to heal. It's ours to heal. We must all come together and realize that your political views are not the gospel. History is not the gospel. Money is not the gospel. The gospel is God so loved the world that he forgave and sent his only son. And that is, a, that, that, that is our task. That is our calling as Christ followers. I don't want to be entertained. I don't want to be popular. I don't want to be known for anything other than a free man. <laughs> I don't care what, what people say about this church in the, in, the, in the sense of our personality, our giftings, and what we focus on. I don't care about any of that. What I want us to be known for 
is that they are Christ followers. We reflect the God that we say we serve. We are what we preach. We're not one way here and one way somewhere else. That we are truly forgiven and that we know that. And because of that, we are truly able to walk in forgiveness. Let me tell you, if we can forgive and we can let those people around us know that they're forgiven, they feel that and we feel that, we would be free. And it's true. We would be free. So the question that I'll leave you with is just that. Are there any areas in your life where you don't feel free? You know that answer immediately. Then ask why. Look at why. And then the how begins. And let me, let me end with that. I will say this too, because this is something I've had to come back to, because I, I, I like to self-reflect a lot, and I, I, I beat the mess out of me, man. And there's no one harder on me than me, I tell you that. Like, I want to punch myself sometimes. Um, forgive yourself. It's okay. You can forgive yourself. Maybe that person's gone that you had that grudge with. Or they're not around. Or it's not healthy to go to that person and try and drudge this all up again. Pray. Forgive yourself. That too may be a journey. God does not count our sins against us, folks. We we don't. I I, I don't. I do not fully (laughs) understand God. It seems too good to be true. It seems too unfair from my perspective. Our reasoning is not his reasoning. Our ways of doing are not his ways of doing. And thank God, because he is a redeemer and he is a reconciler. And that's what he's wanting to do today in your life. That's what he's wanting to do in your family. That's what he's wanting to do in your mind. That's what he's wanting to do in your health. That's what he's wanting to do in your body. And so much of our sickness comes from this. That's what's amazing. So much of our sickness comes from the stress of this guilt that we carry, of these unspoken injustices. Let's be free. And let's do this. Let's do it together. I don't know the perfect way to do this. Like I said, most of these points came from a really smart guy in 1993. (laughs) We need each other. But we need each other to build each other. We need each other to edify each other. We need each other to bring health to each other. We need each other to walk through darkness. I hope this was okay today. Well, like I said, we're going to leave for today, and then it becomes a reality. I woke up this morning, I'm, I kid you not. Before my eyes were very awake, I had a dream about a family member. And in that dream, it was kind of replaying some things that have gone on. And within the first, I'd try to say two minutes, I'm laying in my bed going, God, I release them. <laughs> trying to not start a day with a narrative that I cannot control. And if it's out of control for you, find someone. Crisp and me, someone in this church that you love and trust, sit down with them, talk to them. If it's something that's so overwhelming, don't be embarrassed of it, I promise you. 
99.9% of people in this room know exactly what I'm talking about, no matter how good we look, we look, no matter what type of car they're getting in, no matter how big their house is or whatever, they know what I'm talking about. We all, have, we all deal with this. This is a journey we all take. So let's not act like it's, and, and I don't want you to feel like you're alone either, man. That's the worst part of it. It drives you into this place where you feel like, well, this is just me. It's not. So I'm going to end there, and I'm going to pray for us. And if, and if today you need prayer for anything, um, come up, and, and you know, maybe I'll bring it up here. If anyone else feels like they want to pray with somebody, um, you can pray with them. I don't have to pray with you. But I want to open this up today for prayer because I believe today, I genuinely do, I, I, I will say this. For the last six, like I said, for the last six months, I've been thinking about this. It's been just rotating in my mind. And I got brought back to that story about my father. Um, and the thing that came out of that that was so awesome was, you know, I, I'm, I'm the oldest. My mom had me when she was about 19, 18, 19. And we've always been, you know, friends more than mother and son. Um, and by the time I was 17, I was out the house. I was, you know, doing my own deal. And that, that same time period, after I did that with my father, and I'm in with this for real, because it's awesome, because I feel like it was like one of these, like, I could see how it could be something like Joseph was facing. I was in Greensburg, Louisiana, and I left. I was working out there at the time, and one day after work, I had to drive home to my parents in Bush because, again, another thought came to me that was so just overwhelming that I, that I had to follow through with. And I went and sat down my, my mother and my stepfather, and I, I told them, we had about a 20, 30-minute conversation, and I told them, I forgive you, and I hope you can forgive me. And I appreciate you. And I went through all a list of whole things. Since that moment, that was the first time I told my mom I loved her. Because it wasn't awkward for me. It was hard for me to say that to my mom for whatever reason. But that was one of the first times I told my mom without any awkwardness or any shyness, I love you. And it mended something. And now my mom's one of my best friends. It's been a journey. So, all right, good. So, let me pray for you, and we'll get out of here. Lord, we love you, and we desperately need you. God, we don't want just a version of you. We don't want just a theology of you. We don't want a denomination of you, God. We want to know you. We see your son, Jesus. We see him in these stories. We hear these words, God, and, and sometimes this is hard for us to accept. Could it be that easy? Could it be that simple that you just love us because you love us? Lord, I pray we experience that answer. I pray, God, for each person here, God, that is hurting, that is bottled up, God, that there would be an, 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 a, a place to release that healthy, God, that we would grow that we would expand in love and Christ-likeness. Bless your people today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.